Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. The book of Colossians, the greatness of Jesus. So where Paul, we've been in this series, we've kind of jumped around a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and so we're going to finish this in the next two weeks. Uh, it'll be nine weeks in the book of Colossians, and I hope you've enjoyed the series. And I love doing these types of series because then we can just come right back and go from talking about worship, talking about an amazing message from Mother's Day. Now we're going to talk today about, the, about building your life on Christ and how that evidences or shows itself in your family. And so what we've been looking at is that Paul wrote this letter to the book, uh, to uh, the, the city of Colossus, the church of Colossus, uh, and Epaphras, the pastor of Epaphras, uh, went to, to Paul and visited him in jail. Church is doing fine. There's a few things I'm concerned about. And some of those things he began to address in this letter. And in this letter, as he was addressing these things, he talked about all sorts of things, which I won't go on to, but really what we've done is created a bit of a mini-series within the series about what it looks like to build your life on Christ. And what Paul did was, is he says, it's okay, you've received Christ Jesus. Now, you're a follower of Jesus. You're, a, as we would call you today, a Christian, even though that was a derogatory term uh, in the New Testament. It was a way for them to make fun of Christians. We Now we call ourselves the things they make fun of us for. But just as you received Christ, you're a follower of Christ, now... You need to continue to live your life in him. You got to keep going. You got to be rooted. Look up. Look at this. And rooted as a past tense and built up in him. Future tense. You got to keep building your life on Christ. And then Colossians 3 uh, verse 1. He says, okay, if you've been water baptized, if you've been raised to life in Christ, this is what your life should look like. This is what your life should look like. And this is how you should build your life. And this is the things you should do. We've walked all throughout, all throughout the last uh, Colossians chapter 3. He talked about how we need to uh, you know, put to death our sinful nature, how we need to put on love and serve one another, how we need to uh, you know, continue to serve in our, our, our local church and be committed consistently to the house of God. And you can go back and listen to all that. But today what we're going to talk about is Paul moves into this very clear Today is a very, 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 very practical message today. And so if you came here to learn about how to walk as angels in heaven, you, you need to go to another church today. Today we're going to learn about the power of family. And what Paul wanted to do was there was an issue in the church. The culture they were living in, and some of you might feel this might still be the case, but I'll uh, adjust that a little bit, uh, that what the culture in that day was a male domineering culture, not just to the level of, of it being all about males, but it was males are the only thing that mattered. Men, husbands were the only thing that mattered in that day. And there was such incredible abuse from men towards women and their children in that day because men were the most important Men were, the culture was built around men and women were really seen as a lower class along with children and so men in this culture were, were actually, uh, in the first century, they actually made laws against men physically beating their wives. It was called the, the, the lifted hand law, where they had to increase laws in that day because men were treating these women and these children with such disrespect. And it was a cultural thing. It was a cultural in that day where women were treated lower and children were treated lower and the males were the most important in that society. So when Paul comes to teach what we're going to talk about today, it was absolutely a radical teaching for these people. Paul came to teach something that they had never heard before. He became to adjust this idea 
that it was all about the man and that the women and the children were secondary. He wanted to bring, uh, the, he wanted to equalize it. He wanted to bring balance to it and help them understand what it looked like to build, build your life on Christ. This is what it looks like in your family. You can't live the way you used to live when you give your life to Jesus Christ. There's a whole new way of living. And now this radical idea impacted so greatly the church. And not only that, it also impacts today in our church and in our society. We see that there's a lot of different things happening, not so much maybe in the church, but across our world. We see there's a lot of things happening in our culture today when it comes to women, men, children, uh, a lot of different things. And I'm here today to fight for the biblical standard uh, for family. Family that's identified by a husband and a wife with children. And today, uh, as I share with you, I'm going to say some things that will probably either be, oh, wow, he's stepping on the culture's toes, or I might step on your toes, but it's only because it's in the scripture and I love you. Are you ready for that? Some of you are like, oh, I should have come next week. Shoot. <laughs> Don't leave now. No, it's going to be good. So let's get into it here today. We'll read this scripture, what Paul starts this section. It's just, just a few verses. We're going to talk about three different things today when it comes to the family and building your life on Christ. So wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. <laughs> that baby's like, yes, or no, one of the two. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, I'm so glad my children are in the room today. Where's Ezra? There he is. There's Brea. Praise God. <laughs> Obey your parents in what? Everything. <laughs> For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And so this radical idea that Paul's presenting to them is something they've never heard before. Jesus brought, Jesus is the great equalizer in the family. Jesus brings equality across male, female, and children. And if you begin to learn how to do these things, build your life on Christ in these ways, you will find that you begin to experience less drama in your family and a little bit more unity, a little bit more peace, a little bit more love, a better sex life. Your children begin to listen a little better. And things begin to gel as God intended it. Now, it won't be all perfect, but this, I believe, is Paul's way of saying, this is what it looked like in the Garden of Eden. This is what it looked like before Adam and Eve chose to sin. This is what God intended for your family. And so the first one we'll look at today is to build your life on Christ. Wives, voluntarily cultivate a willingness to serve your husband voluntarily cultivate a willingness to serve your husband. As we see here, submit yourselves to your husband. This word submit has two meanings. One of them is like a military meaning, meaning that there's a captain over a troop of, of a division of, of soldiers and they're told to stand in a, a perfect line and to listen to everything that the military uh, captain says. More uh, probably appropriately, Paul was using it in the second context, which basically means it's a voluntary attitude of giving in. A voluntary attitude of cooperating, a voluntary attitude of assuming responsibility, and a voluntary attitude of carrying a burden. It's not just an obligation. It's not just because I have to. It's not just because, well, it's my role. No, there is a vol it's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's a perspective. It's a decision to change the way that you think on how you serve your family. 
It's not just because it's a gender role or not just because I have to or not just because he won't do it or he probably won't, but that's okay. Not just because of those environments, but because I have a voluntary, a non-compulsory, willing attitude out of reverence and worship to Jesus that I serve my husband. Now, our society doesn't like this word, submit. Our society doesn't like this word at all. And a woman submitting to a man creates a bit of a problem in today's culture. This creates a problem, and I want to remind you of something that many people don't remember. And I find this fascinating when I talk to people about this, because many people don't remember that uh, when, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created like two puzzle pieces for a moment. Imagine in your mind a puzzle piece and a woman was created and man were created both as a puzzle piece with different inherent qualities. As you know, woman was called a helper. We, well, we did a series on this a long time ago about how the woman was the helper. But the, the idea was is that she inherently had uh, abilities that the man did not have. And so woman and man made in the very Garden of Eden that man and woman become a, a married couple. Husband and wife, man and woman become a married couple. And what happens is, is they were, pieces were put together and they were create a perfect picture of, of unity and synchronicity in this life. There was synchronicity and the puzzle piece was put together. And even though the man looked like this and the woman had a different uh, form and inherent uh, uh, abilities, you put them together and it made a perfect puzzle. Justine doesn't even look at the box when she does puzzles. Did you know that? That's incredible, Justine. She doesn't even look at the box, guys. She is like a savant or something, you know, the puzzle savant or whatever. Is that the right word? Yeah. She's amazing. Anyways, puzzle pieces that just popped in my head. That was a squirrel moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're supposed to fit together. What happened was is that Adam and Eve decided that they were not going to do the things of God. They were not going to choose the, the knowledge uh, or, or the tree of life. They were going to choose the knowledge of good and evil. And so what happens is, is there was a, a, a consequence. There was an impact on man and woman. There were, as I'll use the word, a curse. Now, many of you women know the curse of a woman is what? Childbirth. So we say, God, take away the pain of childbirth. And I just got to tell you today, it's the curse. I'm sorry. And I hate that. But it's the curse. I know this is not a popular moment for Ryan Iverson right now. <laughs> but also, often we miss the next verse. Look what it says in the next verse. And to the woman... You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. This is where we get the issues. Inherently in women, from the very creation of humanity, when man and woman decided to choose themselves, one of the consequences of that sin was that the woman would have a desire to control or an inherent desire to take control of the situation. Now, there's a reason why, which we'll get to in a minute. But there is something in them to take control, and this is when feminism enters the story. We see this inherent desire without Christ to control or to have dominion over a man. And I don't know why this is. It's in Scripture. But there's a desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And often, men in our society abdicate their responsibility to take rulership healthy rulership over their family. So naturally, as we know, women rise to that occasion and lead, I believe. And I'm not just saying this, so I'll score brownie points to my wife. I think women are better leaders than men. And we'll see this from the very beginning of time that women were inherently created to make things happen, to help every area where a man struggles, there's a woman making him look good. Come on, 
Anybody else want to say amen? Or all the women are like, yeah. We should give more this month. <laughs> Just kidding. So the result of the, the fall of man was that inside of every woman, there's a desire to control their husband, to control the situation, to control their children, to control life. If things aren't going well and the man isn't rising to that occasion, our women have an inherent thing in them to, to rise up and make things happen. That's a good quality, but it's something that's happened throughout. This is where we get all of our problems is that throughout time, man then overcompensates for that lack of leadership and either becomes incredibly harsh or incredibly passive. And so without Christ, at the rulership of our life, a man will often either pull back because he can't lead better or he doesn't want to lead better, doesn't know how, or he'll overcompensate and he becomes harsh on his wife. So what happens in this story, in this scripture here, Paul was addressing this issue where men were overcompensating because a woman has an inherent desire in her life to control a man. But here's some good news. Do you know that when Jesus Christ came to the earth and died, and when you and I accepted him into our life, do you know that in the eyes of God, as a follower of Jesus, there is no difference between man and woman? Look what the scripture says in Galatians. There is no longer... Jew or Gentile, slave or free, there is no longer male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so what happens is, is that Paul says, okay, I know that in the culture we live in, it's a male-dominated culture, and oftentimes men don't rise to that occasion of great leadership. Or sometimes they abdicate their responsibility. Sometimes they can be lazy, or sometimes they're overbearing, or sometimes they're selfish, or sometimes they're disconnected. But listen, woman, I'm telling you today, do this out of, out of uh, love and respect and, 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 and uh, desire to worship the Lord, to submit yourself to your husband, to cultivate a willing attitude that, no, I don't do it because he deserves it. I don't do it because he doesn't deserve it. I don't do it because he's, he's supposed to do this or I'm supposed to do that. I'm going to willingly cultivate a desire to serve my husband. Why? Because I love Jesus and it doesn't really matter what's going on. Now, I want to say just a caveat. If you're in an unhealthy relationship and there's sexual impropriety or there's adultery or there's physical abuse or sexual abuse or, or all of those things, I am not insinuating that you should continue to endure the physical abuse of your husband. I'm not encouraging you to continue in that environment, and that's a whole other topic, but I just wanted to say that for those in the room who are watching, saying, well, what about this? I understand those are different situations. But there's something in us, and, and um, my encouragement to you today would be to recognize that, look what the scripture says. It says, it is fitting in the Lord. I, my wife's a really great example of this. My wife is an amazing, amazing woman. And those of you who know my wife know that my wife is the best thing about my life <laughs> other than my wonderful children. My wife has learned this ability to, despite my epic failures throughout our marriage and just being a weird, crazy, selfish person at times, my wife continues to learn the power of submission. And this is why. It's because my wife is, loves the Lord. She loves Jesus so much. 
And often there's times when I'm being selfish or I'm being angry or I'm being frustrated or I'm just in a funk or I'm being passive and my wife will have this voluntary mindset just to constantly and consistently serve me and love me and encourage me and care for me. And I'll say, why do you do that? And she goes, honestly, Ryan, because I just love Jesus. Jesus has given me the grace and the compassion to be able to love you too. When you build your life on Christ, one of the evidences is that the wife in the home is not trying to control her husband but she relinquishes that ability to trust in the Lord that God is going to take care of all the details. Every wife or woman in the room, I want you to listen to me. God is going to take care of all the details. He will take care of your children. He loves them more than you do. He will take care of your husband. I know he's in a funk right now. I know he's feeling out of it. I know he doesn't know what he's gonna do with work. Or I know he, he feels like he's confused or frustrated or lacking. I know that's where he's at right now, but I wanna encourage you today. Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you and you don't have to control the situation. You can relinquish that control to the Lord and continue to serve your husband even when he doesn't look the picture that you had married physically <laughs> and emotionally to continue to serve because what that will do is that'll generate something in him. When you submit yourself to your husband, you let him lead, there's something which we'll get to in a minute. There's an inherent desire in a man to lead, to fight, to protect, to create, to go and get. And when you relinquish that inherent ability to control, it's a, you're a gifted leader. You're called by God. You're an amazing leader. It can make everything happen. When we're like, duh, you're just like, everything's like going on in the world and you're just making it all happen and you're looking good while doing it. To relinquish that control will create an opportunity for your husband to lead in the way God has told him to lead. Now, let's get into the second one here today. I hope you're okay. I told you it's uber practical, but that's okay. Here's the next one. Husbands, love your wife unconditionally and treat them as your most prized possession. Look what it says. Husbands, love. The words agape, unconditional love your wives and don't be harsh with them. So it says to unconditionally love your wife. Not because she looks good. Not because she performs good. Not because she cooks good. Not because she's a good mom, not because she's a, a good wife, not because she keeps her promises, not because none, for no reason at all other than this. It's unconditional love. Not because she wakes up. I knew a friend who got married and for the first four years, he had never seen this woman without makeup. She would like, we went camping one time. She'd go into the tent and do her makeup and come out. He had never seen her without makeup. And I said, bro, one day she's going to come out without the makeup. You're going to love her unconditionally. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. Take it easy. Please, settle down. <laughs> Thank God we don't have Google reviews. <laughs> <laughs> no matter where they're at, when they're high, when they're low, when they're doing good, when they're not doing good, when they're cooking good, when they're not cooking good, when they're going out and working all day and coming home and making the bacon or whatever it might be, it does not matter. When you made that conscious decision, you said, I'm going to marry this woman, from that moment on, there were no more conditions. Zero. There was no, well, I did the, you know, I did the laundry and I did this and I did that. Well, what do you do? Or there's no gotcha moments. It's just Unconditional. No requirements, no expectations, no conditions. I just love you. Why? Well, first, because Jesus loved me in the same way. Because he looks at my, my good and my bad. He looks my up and my down. He looks at, and he just unconditionally loves me. See, husbands, we are, our responsibility is to look the most like Jesus as we can. 
to be an example to our wives. What does it look like to be like, well, well, you were rude to me or you were harsh to me. Well, I'm not going to be harsh back. Why? Because I am supposed to love you unconditionally and I'm supposed to treat you as my absolute most prized possession as the beautiful queen and princess that you are. Unconditional love. Without expectation, without condition, Without a, a laundry list of wrong things they've done. Remember when you did this? Just to unconditional love them. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, get over it, bud. <laughs> you signed up for marriage, and as a follower of Christ, that's what it means to build your life on Christ. And it's evidence in how you treat your wife. Now, trust me, I've had to repent about 90 times over the last 24 hours in this very area. <laughs> but I know that this is a challenge for us husbands. You know, it says this, do not be harsh with them. Do not be bitter against them. It's interesting. That's actually what this phrase means. Do not be bitter against them. It means do not be irritated with them. Do not uh, be unpleasantly rough with them. Now, I believe that this, this verse is pulling out an issue in men. I believe this, and you know, Paul sometimes says, you know, here's the command of God, here's my opinion, a little bit of my own opinion, which a little bit of Bible study, okay? I believe every man has an inherent frustration in them. Every man on the planet has an inherent frustration in them about their life. You get married, you think it's going to go away, and it doesn't. You have children, you think it's going to go away, and it doesn't. You get that promotion in your career, it doesn't go away. There's something inherently inside of us that I have learned there's only one thing that can fix that, and it's intimacy, vulnerability with the Lord. It's, it's the sensitive side of man. It's this part of us that only God, our Father, and I, that deep relationship with Him, it truly can only fix that. But we inherently have this desire to work and to perform and to do and to go out to fight and to bring on the bacon and make it happen. We have this inherent thing in us. And what happens is, is that what I already showed you in Scripture is that women has an inherent leadership ability and they desire to control us. And they're such great leaders that there's almost this competition in us for their leading. And I'm trying to lead, but I'm not a good enough leader. And my job's not good enough. And I'm not making enough money. And I always feel like I get harsh on my kids. And I never feel like I'm quite good enough. And there's an inherent frustration in the depths of my core as a man. And I bet you if I spent time with every single one of you in this room, you'd say, right, I think you're right. I just sometimes am angry or sometimes I'm frustrated or sometimes I'm upset. And my wife says, what's wrong? You say, I don't know what's wrong. I'm just frustrated. Well, aren't you happy with our marriage? I love our marriage. Don't you love our kids? I love our kids. Don't you love your job? I love my job. But there's something in me. Why is it there? And I believe we see it all the way back again in the very beginning of time. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, remember how it happened. The serpent came to Eve, and Eve had this argument back and forth about the fruit and what to do. And he says, oh, you won't, you know, you won't this and that, and tricked her, all this stuff. And finally, the serpent, the devil, convinced Eve to take the fruit. And it says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then we come to the next verse. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Where was Adam in all of this? Adam was standing by passively abdicating his leadership responsibility to lead his wife. 
And from that moment, when they chose that area of sin, woman had a desire to lead because in this scripture we see, look how great of a leader she is. She took the initiative. I love the wisdom. I love the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, she made a poor choice. I think it's just as much Adam's fault as hers. Why? He did nothing. He abdicated his responsibility to be a spiritual leader in that home. Why? I don't know how. Why? I was never taught. Why? Well, I don't feel good. I don't read my Bible enough. Why? Well, I looked at that thing last week. Or why? Well, I was yelled at my kid. Or why? I don't have a good enough job. Or why? I'm this, I'm that. And there's this inherent lack of identity in a man. Why? Because they need to have a personal relationship with their heavenly father. Many of us were not trained by our, our physical fathers how to have a relationship with our heavenly father. And there's an inherent thing in us that comes from this moment. What happens is, is that a woman inherently tries to lead because the husband's not, and it creates a problem. One's rising up, the other's rising up, they clash, one steps down. When he shouldn't, he should rise up. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's this constant cycle in our marriages where I'm trying to lead, but you won't let me lead because you're a natural leader, and I feel insecure, and I feel lack of identity, so I'm just going to go work 25 hours a week. Or that's not very much. <laughs> I was going to say 25 hours a day, and I stop myself. There's not 25 hours in a day. <laughs> I'm going to go work six or seven days a week just to compensate for the fact that I feel so irritated. And I come home from a long day and I've been working all day and so is she and the kids are there and the kids just drive me nuts. And that's interesting because look what Paul alludes to in the scripture. He says, fathers, now he's talking to you again, don't embitter your children. Now, the same bitterness that we feel for our wife now spills over onto our children. Don't embitter your children, they'll become discouraged. The same frustration in us about the job we do that we don't feel like it meets us, it motivates us enough in life. The same sense of feeling like, man, I'm just not doing enough. That same thing, we come home and we're just feeling a little bit internalized and frustrated. And so we get harsh with our wife, which, how was your day? It was fine. My day was fine. My kid's like, hi, daddy. I'm like, shut up. Why did you scream at me like that? I didn't, daddy. I just love you. No, it was your attitude. You have a bad attitude. Go to your room. Just, just pours out onto our children. Why? Because there's this inherent thing in men that has to only be answered by an actual life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just a confession of religion and not just showing up and doing your duty and not just looking the part. Man, I feel like I'm preaching a Father's Day message, but whatever. Man, we got to lead in the spiritual home. Why? Because if you don't, it won't just impact your wife and your relationship with her. It'll cause your children to be discouraged. And that word there, it literally means to be spiritless, to be heartbroken. In the very area where your children develop a relationship with God, it will be hindered because of my harshness towards my children. I just got to say, for those of you in the room who have kids between the ages of zero and 10, you're in a tough season when your children drive you nuts. But when your kids get past 10 years old, they drive you nuts in a different way. <laughs> but they drive you nuts in a way where they begin to understand you more. When they're seven or six or five and they're like, ah, you're like, oh my gosh, how much can I get this? No, I won't even say that. That's another Google review comment. <laughs> what do I do with my children? They drive me nuts. Well, here what happens is, is that this bitterness from our, our husbands and the, the men we have to learn to lead in the spiritual area of our home. And that's why, men, you should have a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. Men, I would encourage you, you should be reading your Bible more than your faithful wife. 
My wife reads her Bible. It's hard to keep up with my wife. She reads the Bible a lot. Come on, man, we need to read our word, amen? Come on, man, we need to stop looking at stuff on the computer, amen? We need to stop looking at other women, amen? We need to stay committed to our wives. In those days, in this culture, it was, it was common for a man to go and sleep with other women, and the, the women were required to be okay with it by law. So Paul's here saying, listen, you can't have any sexual morality in your life anymore. One of the reasons there's frustration in us because we allow areas of sin to cultivate in our heart, and so we feel shame when we look at our wife in the eyes. And the way for you to no longer feel that shame, and the way for you no longer to feel that discouragement, and the way for you no longer to feel that bitterness and that irritation is to eradicate sin from your life. Cut it off. If you can't handle your phone, get rid of it and get an old school flip phone. You can't handle a computer? Well, I'm sorry, then get rid of it. You can't handle going to that place? Don't go there. You can't handle going to that store because you'll spend that money or do that? Listen, man, we got to cut it out of our lives. I know I'm going a little off track here, but I feel like I'm speaking to somebody today. For us to be the spiritual leaders that God's called us to be, we have to start by eradicating sin from our lives. And when our wife wants to grab a piece of fruit, we say, oh, sweetie, sweetie, no, 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 look what it is. No, no, listen, I love you and I respect you. We're equals, but in this moment, I have spiritual authority and I'm telling you, that's not a right decision. We need to go this direction. Oh, I'm so thankful we chose to go that way years from now. We could have gone down that path. And then there's times when the woman has to rise up and say, hey, honey, you're being a little weird. Let's go this way. Okay, honey, let's go this way. Why? Because we're equals. Lastly here today, now to our children, to our front row, and all you parents can make your, force your children to listen to this. <laughs> the last one is this. He says, build your life on Christ. Children, listen, obey, and serve your family. Listen, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obey and serve your family. I love having my children in the room. Oh, did he just leave? <laughs> what do you, no, no, no. This is the moment. We need to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to call you out, son. All right, then. I'm going to make you watch this on YouTube five times. He literally left. Wow, okay. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. That word obey there means to hearken, means to listen. Literally, this word means that you've been endowed with the ability to hear. So it's the, 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 there's a couple of analogies here. It'd be like when someone knocks at the door, and you hear it, and you go to see who it is. The actual Greek word is the word porter. It's, in our day, it would be like if you go to a really fancy hotel. And you check into the hotel and there's a bellboy there. And he's got his little cap on. And he's there with the cart. And he grabs your luggage. And he walks you upstairs. And he gets your luggage in room. And then he stands there waiting for a tip. <laughs> the picture here, literally, in, in the Greek, deaf defined. Someone who's like a, a, a house cleaner. The idea is, is, that, is that this individual, this young child, these people, the whole concept of this word obey in scripture actually speaks to the idea of chores. Now, I know you guys hate this, so it's okay. But the reason it's important for you to teach your children to do chores is because, look at the scripture on the bottom, it pleases the Lord. This word literally means that every single time you ask your child to pick a weed, they, they heard you, they listened to you, but they're not doing it for you. You're teaching them to do it unto the Lord. And when they serve in the house of God, I'm doing it unto the Lord. 
And when I pick up that dish and take it to the sink, or when I go and help mom with the laundry, or when I, when I listen to my dad and I say, hey, I want you to go do this, or then I need you to go to bed right away. I don't wait five times before, oh, okay, fine, five times. No, come on, get right into bed. Why? Because when you go get into bed, you are doing it unto the Lord. You are teaching them to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And see, what happens is, is that I know in our world, my world, that my wonderful, amazing children are learning this lesson and, and they're learning how to do that. But often what I often realize is often I give my kids chores because I'm just being lazy. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just being lazy. So there's a difference between telling your child what to do because you're being lazy and telling your child what to do because you're training them in the ways of the Lord. I encourage you. I'm not saying be a taskmaster and make them do the whole, but I want to encourage you. Every time you teach your child, yesterday my son uh, he, him and I are working through this. And yesterday, we planted a new seed. And I said, Ezra, come out and help me. And he had a little bit of a hard time, but he finally got out there. And as we're on our hands and knees together, putting seed and fertilizer and dirt on the ground, I leaned over to him and said, do you know right now, Jesus is looking down on you and he's smiling. There's a huge smile on the face of God right now. Why? Because you have a willingness to listen to what I've asked you to do. You are actually engaging right now, son, in a relationship with Jesus. You pick that dish up from that table and you take it literally the scripture talks about one thing and one thing only serving your family, loving your family, helping your brothers and your sisters, serving your mom, serving your dad. If you're standing in a room and everyone's working, don't just stand there and just look around and say, dad, what can I do for you? Do you know what you're saying? Jesus, how can I worship you? God, how can I honor you? God, how can I love you today? Look throughout scripture, this scripture today, Paul, uh, Paul wanted us to understand what it looks like to build our life on Christ. And the thing that's most important for children today, did you know that the scripture teaches us that when you honor your father and mother, look at this, you will live a long, full life. Come on, somebody. Maybe you're an adult child and you need to honor and serve your parents. Recognizing that there is a <laughs> supernatural, supernatural gift attached to it. Long, full life. Amen? That's what Paul wanted to teach us today. Is that wives, even though you tend towards great leadership, you tend towards making things happen, that he wants you to cultivate a mindset that says, okay, I'm going to serve my husband. I'm going to lay down and submit myself to my husband. Why? Because I know what I'm doing that. Not only is it for the Lord, but it's creating an opportunity for my husband to be the leader of the home that God's called him to be. And when I do that, husbands, come on, we got to love our lives with no love our wives with no condition. Let, let, deal with that frustration by having a personal relationship with the Lord. And begin to let the love of God and the unconditional love of God pour over onto your children. And kids, come on, serve your families. It honors God, makes them happy. And it teaches, it creates and cultivates a life that's built on Christ. And you will have a home that's full of joy and life and love and laughter in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand to your feet today. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing another song. I just want to pray for all, the, uh, all the, the, the parents and married couples in the room. For those of you who are here today and you're single, I'm going to pray you're going to get a date in the name of Jesus. Oh, that's where you went. Hey, buddy. Come on, Father. We just pray right now for, uh, Lord, every married couple, every husband, every wife, every parent, Lord of children. Lord, we pray for every uh, individual in the church today, God, and we pray, Holy Spirit, will you just give us a grace, God, Lord, that you would abound with just grace in our lives. We need your grace, God. We need your help. We need your partnership.
For those of us in the room, God, who are struggling in our marriages, our marriages are struggling today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cause there to be a come to the senses moment where both parties recognize they're wrong and they would repent. And Lord, they would come back together as one and unified together. Lord, for every father who's feeling frustrated and every husband who's feeling frustrated, hey, Lord, would you show them, God, that you want to help them in this season? God, for every child who's struggling with their parents, maybe their parents aren't leading well in this moment, or maybe they're just having a bad attitude, God, would you help them? Give them the grace to serve their families well, God. We love you, God, today with all of our heart, and we thank you for just a, a great day in the house of God. We just want to worship you this morning, Jesus, in your name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.